Well, family, good morning, good morning, good morning. Man, y'all got it going on this morning, man. Man, listen, uh, uh, my brother Chris, I'm so thankful for you, man, for your leadership and your mentorship to me. I got my best friend in the crowd, Black Wagon, with this beautiful family right there, man. They come down. They're from Wilmington, so they, they, they're, they're from here. So I just want to say I feel like family already. And so I just want to thank you all for welcoming me. But listen, I believe God has a word for us today. I don't say that lightly. I mean, I, I believe God has a word for us in the right season of what we're going through. And I just want to ask God to meet us here. But I need you to be expecting God's word not to return void. Amen? So let's, let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for your grace and mercy. God, we come today expecting not to hear from me, but to hear from your spirit. Father, some of us in here have some deep, woes, some deep pains, some deep groanings, and we just barely made it in the door. But God, one thing I know about you is that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So what that means is, God, we're not up here just shouting for no reason, but we're simply saying, I've had an encounter with the living God, and I can't help but open my mouth to sing his praises. So God, we are expecting you to heal hearts today, to make dead bones live. This is our prayer, Lord. Stand in my body. Think with my mind. Speak with my mouth the things that glorify you. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. So I came to Wilmington just to get some last minute of humidity because I'm going out of Las Vegas. So, you know, you know. Um, but no, but let's, let's, let's get into it. Um, one day, um, a grandson came to see his grandmother. The two hadn't seen each other for a long time, and so she opens the door and she welcomes him in. They sit down. The two begin to talk. And then the grandson sees a bowl of peanuts on the dining room table and asks his grandmother, can I have some? She says, um, sure. And so as they're talking, he's popping these peanuts in his mouth. And it's as if these are the greatest peanuts he's ever had. And every time he pops one in his mouth, it gets better and better. And about 45 minutes into the conversation, he looks over into his horror. The glass is now empty. He says, grandmother, please forgive me. He says, I, you've raised me better than this, but I got to ask you the question. Where did you get these peanuts from? She leaned back and said, well, uh, grandson, grandma's getting old now. And since I lost my teeth, when folks buy me peanut M&Ms, I just suck the chocolate off of them. <laughs> Ew. Moral of the story is, things are not always as they seem. <laughs> but isn't that true, especially for the people of God? If there was anyone who should be walking on water, if there is anyone who should have endless hope, if there is anyone who should have unspeakable joy, it should be us. But yet things are not always as they seem. We pile into churches on Sunday morning. We hear a preacher preach on hope. We sing songs of hope. But if we're really honest, though we hear songs of hope, what we see is hopelessness. For things are not always as they seem. If there is anyone who should be standing on the mountaintop, trusting that God will make all things right, that God will heal every wound, every groan, it should be us. But the honesty of it is, even though we should have hope, what we often see is despair. For things are not always as they seem. Who would have ever thought that a people purchased by God, bought by his blood, called back to him from the cross, would often be the same folks who walk in the valley of the shadow of death. But things are not always as they seem. 
And for those of you who walk in here with a smile on our face and we raise our hands and we sing our songs, though we know that behind closed doors we are struggling and we feel like we are alone because things are not always as they seem. But one thing I love about the Bible is the Bible never leaves us by ourselves. There was another, there was another, another group of people called the Israelites who they themselves felt this same situation. They themselves would hear hope but see despair. And today we're going to walk into the story. I want to invite you into the story of Ezekiel 37 where, where now God's people now are struggling to make it. And they hear God say all hope is not lost, but what they see is hopelessness. Today we're going to spend time in Ezekiel 37. We're going to see God take his broken people and now revive them back to life. Does your mind not go back to Lamentations 3, 4? Call this to mind and therefore I have hope. That the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God says, even though you may feel like you're in the valley, I have not left you. So we're going to see three things in our time in Ezekiel. First, you're going to see Israel's hopeless situation. Second, we're going to see Ezekiel's obedience. And last, we're going to see Ezekiel's, uh, I'm sorry, Israel's restoration. I have entitled this message, Dead Bones Live. As you turn to Ezekiel 37, let me kind of set the stage for you. Man, these lights are on rotisserie. Woo! <laughs> all right. Good to see y'all online. Good to see y'all. So, Israel now has been captured by their enemies. They've been taken from their homeland. They are now in shackles. They've been ripped away from all they've ever known. They are now a people who have lost all hope and have no soul. For the enemy now has come and taken them away from their homeland. They are a people that you and I will call in a hopeless situation. And what makes matters even worse is they're God's people. Whoever would have thought that God's people would have the hardest time on the face of the earth? Raise your hand if you can attest to that, that sometimes God's people seem to have the hardest time living. Now they've been ripped away from their home and they've been taken away from their family. They've left all they've ever known. They are now back in shackles and God has the audacity to send a preacher to tell them that all hope is not lost. Really. When I can't pay my bills and it seems as if my body's breaking down by the day, you're telling me that all hope is not lost. When my marriage is crumbling and my wayward child just refuses to come back home, God, you're telling me that all hope is not lost. Though it seems that I'm trying my best to overcome my sin, but every single morning what awaits for me is my guilt and my shame of yesterday. You're telling me, God, that all hope is not lost. Feel that. And Israel, now hearing Ezekiel, the prophet, tell them that all hope is not lost, does the same thing that you and I do. Whatever. Oh, I'm going to be, no one else has done it before? No one else has read their Bible and simply go, that sounds good on paper, but it doesn't relate to real life. Oh, I'm the only, Chris, I guess me, you're the only ones who have done it before. So I want you, I want to invite you into this story. Because whether you know it or not, all of us are here. So pick me up, 
Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 3. It says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And, and he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, only you know. Uh, ever been to a dead valley? I'm going. <laughs> it's, a, it's a place where life doesn't exist. It's a place where the sun seems to only drain you and beat you down. It's a place where there is no hope. Where the only movement you see is the rustling of the leaves past your feet. Ever been to a dead valley? And God then in verse 1 takes his prophet, picks him up by his collar and plants him his feet right in the middle of the valley. Read your Bible in this emotional context. If I'm Ezekiel, I'm going, oh, wait a minute. Now, you just told me to tell them that all hope was not lost. And you bring me here. God, if I'm selling people hope, at least bring me to a mountaintop with a nice little valley going on and there's some greenery. Don't bring me to a place that further affirms what your people feel. Let me just tell you this. That sometimes you can be in the middle of God's perfect will and still find yourself in the valley. If you're thinking that following God is always sunshine and rainbows, just keep on breathing. <laughs> and if I'm Ezekiel now, I survey the scene. And what he sees is dead bones. Not just dead bones, but it says dry bones. It's the scene that there was a war taking place and the losing side not only lost, but they were left there. No one came to see them. No family came to pick up their remains. They were left there for the elements. And Ezekiel simply says, you just told me to tell the people of God at the Bridge Church that all hope is not lost, yet you allow us to walk through a pandemic. you to feel that. Now, interesting here is um, God says, Ezekiel, what do you see? He says, I see dry bones. See, what God was trying to show Ezekiel was, I have you in the valley to show you that these dry bones represent my people. Now, Ricky, you just told me, Ricky, that these are God's people. So why would God allow his people to struggle? Great question. I think that question is more geared towards Israel than geared towards God. Let me give you the backdrop. The reason that, I that Israel is feeling lost and hopeless is because they've walked away from God. The desert was supposed to show Ezekiel that this is where my people now lie. Let me tell you this, British Church, that whenever you and I try to find life apart from God, you will be spiritually dead. John 10, 10 says, God says, I came to give life and life to the full. Here's the situation. Israel believed that they can do life apart from God. And God simply said, don't worry. I'll wait. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. Bridge Church, if you're trying to do life apart from God, you will find yourself in a valley. 
Because God says, I came to give life. So naturally, if God is life and I'm walking away from God, I'm walking towards death. Hear me, you are not the captain of your own soul. You do not know what's best for you. But some of us have to get our head hit a couple times to go, God, I've tested you enough. I realize that apart from you, I can do nothing. Let me just tell you this, Bridge Church, that if we're going to pack the city, it can't be because we come to the table with our own agenda. We need Christians in here who are depending on God, who are trusting in God, who simply says, your way is the way. Israel now, it makes sense. And can I say something hard to you? Some of us in here are struggling to read our Bible, struggling to pray. We're struggling to fight our sin. We're struggling to really call out to God. And if that is you, then you may not know, but you're walking further and further away from God. And I'm just sitting here to remind you that if you keep living life apart from God, you will find yourself in the valley of the dead. Now, Ezekiel now is... He can't believe God will put him in this situation. And then God has the audacity to say, to ask the question, Ezekiel, can these bones live? What? The bones that are tired, the bones that have been overlooked, the bones that just seem that they just can't find the hope and joy that they see in Scripture. The bones that don't believe that justice and righteousness will ever come for them. The bones that feel that they just can't get it right. Can these bones live? If you haven't known yet, I'm talking about us. The broken bones. And God says, can these bones live? Now, I love it now. This is the funny part of the story. I man. listen, y'all got to read your Bible in this emotional context, man. God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, uh, <laughs> Lord, only you know. <laughs> like, that's the greatest passive-aggressive answer I've ever heard. Can these, he, <laughs> hey, Lord, uh, <laughs> you, you, you know? Like, Ezekiel's saying, I'm not not going to answer it, but I'm not going to answer it either. Because Ezekiel is standing in a place that's desolate. Dare I say, it's a lookout in this church, but we also find ourselves in a desolate place. I've been praying the same prayer, God, for 15 years, and yet you have not answered, and every time you don't answer, my faith in you wanes and wanes and wanes, and God says, can these bones live? See, Ezekiel got it right. He knew that this was a hopeless situation and only the power of God could take what was such brokenness and raise that up to life. This is also pretty cool, though. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. When God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. Just you didn't know that. Just I didn't know that. I just I realized that, oh, oh you know, you all know. When God asks a question in scripture, that means that he always he already knows that. He said, Ezekiel, though I'm asking you the question, I'm trying to get you to see something, son. God has all power to raise the broken and the messed up and the jacked up and to bring them now to life. 
Reminds me of a true story. A girl who was five years old, she, sadly, she was taken away from her family and placed in foster care. While in foster care, she would be watching the news and would see that her mother's home that came on TV had been burned to, had been burned to the ground because someone threw a homemade bomb killing her mother. To make matters worse, she would then be taken back with her family and while she was there, she would be inappropriately touched by her father and her uncle. She was the recipe for no one could make it. If there was a resume that says that this person cannot have life, it will be her. But at 16 years old, she would come to a little, little church in Missouri and she, someone would share about her, a God who loved her in spite of all she went through. And at 16 years old, she would get saved and begin to, to serve this God. And she would begin, and she would end up being the valedictorian of her high school. She would then become the first person in her family to graduate college. She would then be the first one in the family to get a master's degree. She would then get married and have two children. Oh, by the way, she happens to be also my wife. Don't tell me what God cannot do. I am a living witness that God specializes in stacking the deck against himself, saying that there is no way they can have life. There is no way they can have hope. There is no way they can have peace. And yet they forgot the power of God. God don't need you, but he wants you. God does not need perfect people, but he takes the broken people. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Oh, when I look at my wife, that's a perfect picture. If there was someone who the stats said that they would not make it, I'm standing beside the one who raised her up from the dead. And while you can enjoy that, have you forgotten that? Have you forgotten that God specializes in taking that what should not be and making it so? For what is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen? So we just seen Israel's situation, but now we're going to see Ezekiel's obedience. Pick me up. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 4 through 10. It says this. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will call bre cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay some news upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, and bone to bone, and looked, and behold, there was sinews on them, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Ezekiel now been asked the question, can these bones live? And God says, Ezekiel, while we're out here, let me go ahead and take a step further. Not only ask the question, can these bones live, but I want you to um, <laughs> prophesy to these bones. What? If I come outside and see Pastor Chris talking to a bag of rocks, <laughs> y'all in trouble, man. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine Ezekiel Preaching to bones and people going like, 
There goes Ezekiel again. He ain't been right since chapter one. I mean, I want you to feel this. He's asking a grown man to talk to a bag of rocks, a bag of bones. If you see me talking to a bag of bones, you need to pray for my behalf. But this is the part that gets me. It sounds crazy. It makes no sense. But Ezekiel has the audacity to do it. I'm worried, but I can be honest. Ezekiel displays something that I think our generation forgot. It's the word obedience. Obedience, obedience does not need me to co-sign it to make it happen. I'm not called to obey if it makes sense and fits in my schedule. I'm not called to obey if it aligns with what I think is right for my life. Hear me, God is not a politician. You don't debate with him. When God says move, you move. It makes no sense for me to be born and raised in Durham, North Carolina, to have my wife and my family in a good situation. I just bought my first house two years ago, and then God says, boy, pack up your stuff and within two months, you're going out west to a place I've never been before. I have no family, I, I have no friends, but God said, move, hear me. I'm not the hero of the story, but I'm trying to tell you is this. Obedience sometimes makes no sense. If you are only going to obey, if it fits in your schedule, let me just tell you something, you will never obey. God demands complete obedience. Funny in scripture, he says he's Lord first, then Savior. We like God to keep us out of hell, but don't tell me what to do. Lord and Savior. Ezekiel does it. And then also I think what we miss is Ezekiel has faith. It, it takes a man of faith to preach the dry bones. What is faith, Ricky? Faith is taking God at his word. That God is who he says he is and that God can do what he says he's going to do. That is what faith is in its simplest form. Faith is saying, I'm taking you at your word. I am placing both feet on what you told me to do. That is what faith is. Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God without faith. So if you're tithing, great. If you're reading, great. If you're sharing Jesus, great. But you have no faith in him, you are not pleasing God. God says, first at, at the core of who I am, you must believe that I am who I said I am. Ezekiel says, God, I'm looking around and nothing makes no sense. But you're telling me to preach the dry bones, even though it makes no sense, I will do what you asked me to do. Bridge Church, are we doing that? What if God says, go across the street to that person that you don't like? who votes different from you, who thinks different from you and asks you to build a relationship with that person, will you say yes or will you say, I don't have the time right now, God? Or what if God says something? I know you've walked past that person 20 times today. He sits in the same corner, a homeless man, and I, I know you see him uh, uh, take advantage of people, but I want you to give him some money today. But God, you know he takes it. I don't care. I want to see if you are obedient. Give him some money. God, I don't, I don't have time today. 
Hear me. I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm saying there are times in life where God tells us to do stuff that makes no sense and there is no reward on our end. Ezekiel now prophesies to these bones and he hears a clicking sound. These bones are now coming together. They've, he's preached the word to them and they're now coming together. But something's off. Though they're standing erect, they're not moving. You do know that you can look alive, but be spiritually dead. Let me say this before I go out west, because I'm going to a different culture that's not Christian. Being raised in the Bible Belt, we pride ourselves on looking like we love Jesus. But we have no heart. The scariest thing about Christianity is you can learn how to do it. You can learn how to be a Christian without ever having a true encounter with Jesus. You can be in church all your life and still miss Jesus. Don't believe me? Watch out for the Pharisees. Christ called them what? Whitewashed tombstones, meaning that you look great on the outside. Your Facebook posts are amazing. Your family pics look wonderful. Your 401k is amazing. You have the best lot in the neighborhood. You look great on the outside. You are dead spiritually. My fear for us in the South is that we pride ourselves more on how I look on the outside than what God is doing on the inside. So hear me. You can look good all you want to, look nice in your wardrobe, dress down to the nines, but if you do not have an encounter with God seeping in his word, you are spiritually dead. But then God says, Ezekiel, I don't know what time I'm at, Chris. I don't know what time I'm at. God says, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. God says, God says, Ezekiel. Now, since they're now erect, prophesy to the wind. Now, uh, in the Hebrew language, the word wind is the same word we get our word spirit from. What he simply says is, Ezekiel, call the Holy Spirit now upon them. It's, it brings you back to Genesis chapter 2 when God will begin to make man in his own image, put kneecap to kneecap and elbow to elbow. Now, build man up. But it's in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 where God will say, now that you built up, God would then do this. God would breathe life into man. What is God saying? He's saying, Ezekiel, the only way for my people to raise themselves up from the dead is by my word and by my spirit. We have got to be men and women who consume their Bible and trust in the Holy Spirit. To only read your Bible on Sunday is like only being married in public. To be a Christian who does not read their Bible is an oxymoron. It makes no sense. John wants to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, meaning that you cannot call yourself a believer apart from God's Word and apart from His Spirit. Am I looking at men and women who desire to consume God's Word, 
who are leaning on their spirit. Because if we're not, if we are not, we will always find ourselves dry. My fear for us is that we've forgotten that the word of God is our life, accompanied by his spirit. We've got to be men and women who are constantly consuming their Bible, constantly walking with God. Because John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So great worship songs, great strategy, great vision. But if you don't have me walking with me, it means nothing. Vision does not save people. God does. And if we're going to impact the city for Christ, for community, did I get it right? For the city. There it is. I got it. I got it. It's, it's literally everywhere. It's literally everywhere. <laughs> this is going to take us being godly men and godly women who are consuming their word, who are reading their Bible, who are praying, who want to have a real encounter with Jesus. You have to have the Holy Spirit to give you that desire. And if you don't have the desire, ask for it. You have your pastors and your staff team here. Ask them to help you pray, God, give me a desire to consume your word. Amen? So through Ezekiel's obedience, what we see now, there's life for these dead bones. Now I'm going to close here. Let's look at um, the last point, Israel's restoration. Look at it with me, verse 11 through 14. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. Oh, my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do what declares the Lord. We've seen Israel's desperate situation. We've also seen that through God's word and through his spirit, they've begun now to be restored. Who would have thought that the Bible brings hope to those who are hopeless? Who would have thought that the Bible brings peace to those who can't find rest? Who would have thought that the Bible brings grace to those who are broken? Who would have thought that the Bible brings joy to those who can't put a smile on their face? Who would have thought that the Bible brings strength to those who are weak? Who would have thought that the Bible brings community to those who find themselves alone? Who would have thought that the Bible brings provision to those who need help? Who would have thought that the Bible brings mercy to those who are broken? Who would have thought that the Bible brings life to those who are dead? I'm trying to get you to see that I have tasted and seen that God is good. And I've been worried about, I don't want to do too much or I don't want to yell too much, but I'm just trying to find in my own self going, boy, you've seen God work. How can you not open your mouth and give God praise? 
I've seen God take those who are broken and, and make them whole. And I'm just here to remind you that God says, the very thing I promised you, I delivered. I know we're in another situation of COVID. We just got our footing back. We've just got our rhythm back. Now is the threat to be taking two steps back. But let me just remind you of this. God has not forgotten you. God will not forget his people. And though God may not change the situation, he changes you in the situation. The issue, I think, has never been the fact that we've just had a hard time, but we've taken our eyes off the one who gives us life. God, give us wisdom in the midst of this. And God simply says, the very thing I promised you, Israel, I delivered. And this is interesting to me. The hard part of it is, it says, Ricky, this is a great story. Thanks for yelling at me. And I appreciate that. All the spitting on the front row. I'm sorry. But, uh, that's a great, cool story, but what does this all mean? The purpose of Ezekiel is not about a cool story in the valley of the desert. The purpose of the story of Ezekiel is to remind his people the power of God. What if I told you that those of you who are in the pit right now who seem as if there can be nothing to bring you up to life, what if I told you that your God not only hears your prayers, but he comes to get you? The story of the valley of the dry bones is that God sat on his throne and heard the cries of his people. Does your mind not go back to Exodus when, when his people were in the, uh, uh, in the desert, in Egypt, and they would cry for 400 years and God would hear every single cry and God would say, I not only heard your cry, but I'm coming to see about you. The story of the Valley of Dry Bones is that God says, I've heard every single prayer you've ever prayed, and I'm coming to get you. I ain't forgotten you. Don't you forget the power of your God. You just don't serve a normal God. You serve one who stands outside of time. The one who hung the stars in the sky. The one who made the crooked places straight and the straight places smooth. You are a part of the one who called creation to existence with his mouth. How in the world could God say, let there be light, and the sun was created three days later? Feel that. That's the God you serve. God said, let there be light, and created the sun three days later. He is all things. For all things were created by him, for him, and through him. And I'm reminding you that God has not forgotten his people. Now, Ricky, here's the situation now. How do I know that God's going to answer my prayer? Let me just say this. I'm not talking prosperity gospel. God is not your genie in a bottle. You don't rub him the right way and he comes out. God is not a vending machine. We don't say, I prayed this week. I didn't cuss this week. Turn the dial. Where's my blessing? That's not the God I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is, if your prayer aligns with his will, it's always yes and amen. But you missed it. God, how do I know that you're going to answer my prayers? In the text, it says the word, I am. 
maybe, maybe you missed that. Three times in the last four verses, he says the word, I am. Does your mind not go back to Exodus? God now standing in the midst of a bush, consumed by fire, yet did not burn to the ground. Called a little boy named Moses, said, come here, Moses. Said, I've heard the cry of my people. Go get them. Moses now has his marching orders. He's walking now to Egypt, but he says, uh, who do I tell sent me? Do you not see God now leaning out the cusp of the burning bush? He says, you tell Pharaoh that I am, that I am. Richard Lister says that when God says I am, that I am, what he's using now is a noun. Most times when you try to describe a noun, you use what they call an adjective, saying that um, I am strong, I am big, I am powerful. Hear me, but what adjective can explain God? God says, I am that I am, meaning that all you need is bound up in me. God says so many words. How do you know that God's going to answer your prayer line to his will? God says, I am that I was. I am that I am. And I am who I will be. I'll say it again. Maybe you didn't get it. God says, the way you know I'm going to answer your prayer line with my will is, I am that I was to you. I am that I is. And I am that I will be. Meaning that if God answered your prayer back then, God would do the same thing now. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That is how you have life. And some of you right now, you've forgotten that. You've forgotten that God specializes in reminding his people of who he is. God says, the way you know that I will answer your prayers based on my will is because if I answered you back then, I have no other choice but to answer you now. For when God says who I am, he says, I am the Lord God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I got to get out of here, man. Quick story. Growing up, I'm from a little small little town called Rougemont outside of Durham, and my granddaddy would love to go to the city dump and hang out. Who does that? <laughs> and so he would often take me to the city dump, and, um, and I would watch him from the truck. He would literally, as folks were throwing away their trash, he would say, hey, 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 don't throw that away. That's still some good. I would watch him for hours on end, literally, as folks are about to throw their trash in the dump, he go, hey, 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 hey. Don't throw that away. Steal some good. Can I invite you to know a God who sits at the pit of life? When you thought that all hope was lost, that everything had no end, that you were never going to see the light of day again. I have a God who sits at the pit of life and says, 
just before you forget and lose faith in me. Hey, hey, don't throw that away. That's still some good. I serve a God who sits in the valley and he awaits for his people thinking that they have forgotten about him, that they have no hope in him. And God simply says, though it feels like you lost all hope, I sit here waiting to remind you, hey, hey, don't forget who I am. I pray, I'm just trying my best to express to you it's been a hard year and a half. We've lost a lot. But I call this to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Great, great, great God is your faithfulness. Chris Green, I hear a rattling sound. Chris Green, I hear a rattling sound. That those who came in the day because of God's word, yes, sir, and God's spirit. There's some healing going on. I thank you, God, that our hope is built (laughs) on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I shall not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean Holy lean, yes sir. Holy lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So I gotta go. But I got one last question to ask you. Can these bones live? Let's pray. Father, I pray that everything that was said today, God, was from your mouth. God, I pray that the same rattling sound Ezekiel heard, God, I begin to see as I look out on this crowd and I see the hearts pumping and the minds going and the tears flowing. It's not about an emotional thing up here, God. We're simply saying it's been hard to believe. But God, thank you for your word accompanied by your spirit. And the same word and spirit that now brings us life with the same word and spirit that went to an empty tomb. And on three days, God, our Savior laid in that grave. But on the third day, the word and the spirit now embodied in the flesh, our Savior now got up from the grave. And the same bones that were dead now rolled away that stone and now walked out of that grave and now send it now and sits beside God himself. God, what I'm asking you is the same way that you brought Christ back to life, bring your children back to life. 
Lord, this is our prayer, God. In Christ's name, amen.